Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, howdy. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Y'all, we have a really, really rad section. Uh, section? Three. Three sections. Collection. Collection of sections. As <laughs> okay. I was going to say, coming up here, 85 through through 87. Um, some really, really neat stuff that happens um, in these sections. And fun. And like yeah, applicable. Yeah. You're going to love so many parts of this lesson are just so fun. So um, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, we were just texting the end of the day or whatever. And um, he said at the very end, he's like, hey, good night. And then sent a sunflower emoji, like with the good night. And I was like, that's so random. And so I texted back and I was like, wait, why did you send that sunflower emoji? That's weird. I mean, not, whatever, you know, just was like, what yeah, if I, I, like, what if I just sent a dolphin, well, you know, I'm or whatever. Myself, have I ever even sent the sunflower? Yeah, no I one even knew it existed. It. it does. Okay. It has it. Um, and so I was just like, why do you, and he was like, oh, don't you think they're so happy? <laughs> Whenever you see them, they're just the happiest of all the flowers. So I just thought it was fun. She was like, it's my new thing. <laughs> That's what he said to me. It's my new thing. I just send the sunflower emoji. And I was like, all right. So I sent one back, you know, and I was like, good night then. And I sent a sunflower emoji. And then I was like, wait, I want a thing. I want, a, I want an emoji I want to send. Um, anyways, so then the next day I was driving um, home from work and I passed by this field that's right by my house that was full of sunflowers. And I was like, oh, awesome. So I pulled over. And I took a pic of the sunflowers and I sent it to him, you know, because I was like, hey, look, you know, sunflowers. Um, and then I started doing that. I kept doing it. Um, Jenny and I went on like a trip to Europe, like like a couple weeks after that. And I would just find, I found them in like right by the Eiffel Tower. Well, because who and even the knew they had sunflowers and, in Europe? Right, right. And then like these markets in Austria. And I was just like, and every time I found one, I would like, Ooh. and by this church in Germany. And I started sending them and I came back home and I started noticing, oh my gosh. Sunflowers are everywhere. They're all over. And I had never, ever seen them. In fact, I even had some growing in my backyard. <laughs> I had no, I, that is true. I like, was outside one time and I was like, I have never even seen or noticed that these are here until I started looking for them. And we said right before we pushed record, um, what is, does God really move among his people? Is he really still here in the same majestic way that he was, that we read about in, in these histories that are here. Is he still just as um, present, present and vibrant? Right, as, mm -hmm. as he always has been. And I think, yes. Um, I believe, yes. I have evidence of, of yes. And I, and I think we see something in here that when you start watching for that, like the sunflowers, he will start showing up everywhere, even in your own backyard. Um, so we're starting with this section 85 and you just, everybody, you want to say a prayer for Joseph, but he doesn't, I don't know if he needs your prayers anymore, but like if you were back in this time, 85 is, uh, is actually a letter. Um, this revelation comes um, as an excerpt of a letter that he wrote to W.W. Phelps. They're out in Zion and remember people are moving out there and to move out there, you have to have a special certificate, like uh, you're appointed to move out to, to Zion, but people were just moving out because they wanted to and doing their own thing. 
And um, when they were getting there, they weren't following that. The law of Zion was the law of consecrating your properties. And there are people who are going out there who are doing that. And so he's just like, we don't know what to do. And and Edward Partridge is kind of kind of doing his own thing. And W.W. Phelps is doing his own thing. And so Joseph's like, oh my gosh, I, I'm so tired of fixing all the things. I don't know if he said that, but that's what I think when I read it, you know. And he writes this letter. But in the beginning of the letter, it's interesting you get like this bonus stuff that comes. And, and it says, write 85 verse 1. It's the duty of the Lord's clerk. Don't you want to be the Lord's clerk? Why do we call him the ward clerk? <laughs> I'm so bugged by that calling title. We now call it the Lord's yes. clerk in every ward. Yeah, wouldn't okay. that be awesome? Everyone just got elevated who's the ward clerk. I know. You're the, the Lord. Yeah. Clerk. <laughs> Why do we not have that calling? I don't okay. Know. And before you even read this part of what the Lord's clerk is going to do, it is fun to just talk about this because for some reason, amidst everything else that is going on, in this time period, Joseph became really interested in record keeping for yeah. some reason. I don't know why, but all of a sudden he wanted to have a million different journals and histories and records that he was keeping. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but. This was one of the records that all of a sudden he felt like we need to be keeping. Yeah, in fact, he buys his very first journal on this day. Right after he writes this letter, he's like, this is, he buys, like, go, there, goes to the store and <laughs> buys his very first journal and he'll have more. But this is what he says, the Lord's clerk was appointed to keep a history and a general church record of all the things that are transpiring in, in Zion. Um, go down to verse 2. And also the people's manner of life, their faith, um, and their works. And just to keep a list of all of these things that you see happening um, that are transpiring in, in Zion. We have in the journal a list of the other journals that he ends up buying and histories that he ends up keeping. Um, one, obviously, for Revelations. He keeps a separate journal for like the Revelations for the church that a lot of come into the Doctrine and Covenants, a history of the church and gathering. He has this one that he buys a couple years later called, um, he calls the book, The Law of the Lord. Uh, <laughs> I just want his help naming everything in my life. Um, but check this out. This is what he said he keeps in there. Um, this actually comes from um, Stephen Harper's book, The Making Sense of the Doctrine and Covenants. I'm just reading it on my phone. Um, it says this, he recorded in that book, um, he wanted to put the deeds um, of people who freely offered their whole souls to mm -hmm. the Lord's work. So when he saw that somebody offered their soul to the Lord, he wanted to write them down and write about it. He wrote about Emma in there. He wrote about Bishop Whitney. He wrote about his brother Hiram. And he says, the names of the faithful are what I wish to record in this place, in that book. Isn't that cute? And then he said this, um, he recorded the virtues and the good qualifications and the characteristics of the faithful few as he called them. Um, don't you love that he's just like, I, I so much, here's a person that we have a hymn about, you know, that we like admire so much for his virtues and, and, and qualifications. And I love that he's got this book of the people that he's meeting mm -hmm. and he's writing. Here are all the good things I am noticing about you, particularly coming off of this section 85, where you have a whole bunch of people who are doing everything wrong, you know? <laughs> and it's like, and- I'm leaving and you just love that he had that, faithful few it makes me want to like be one of the faithful few yeah. in my mind i'm like oh i i want to be one of those 
Yeah. And it makes me want to just like start noticing people and noticing what are your good characteristics and virtues and qualifications, you know, that are in you. I love that he wrote this in his journal too. There are a numerous host of faithful souls whose names I could wish to record in the book of the law of the Lord. He's just like, I, I ran out of ink. <laughs> there are so, <laughs> so many people awesome. like that, that I just ran out. We love too that he had um, one, he had one for recording revelations. He had one for the history of the church. He had one for the gathering. He just recorded about that. And then this one, this was the name of this book, a history of the life of Joseph Smith Jr. An account of his marvelous experience. Which would have been the first vision, but I love that he, he didn't call it the first vision, everyone. I love that he called it my marvelous, M-A-R-V-I-L-O-U-S, my marvelous experience. And then it made me think to myself, do I have a journal of marvelous experiences? Because don't we all need mm -hmm. one of those? And you kind of just want to put a sunflower on the front of it because what if you're having more marvelous experiences than you know about? because you're just not taking the time to notice them and write them down. And what would it look like if we were doing that? Which then makes me think about your journal you made. Let's just talk about that for a minute that oh, you're taking my, to Africa. Oh, my sticker journal. one, yeah. Yes. So I just bought this, um, I thought I really want like a journal that's only dedicated to like places I go, like You travels. were Joseph Smith for a minute because you were having like six journals. Yeah, I really do have a lot of them all over, but this one is particular, and that it's really rad. I should have brought it so you could see it. Oh, no, I left it at home, because I gotta put it in my bag. <laughs> I took it out of my backpack. It's just got all these really rad travel stickers all over it and everything, and I thought to myself, I am going to write down um, every day, um, number one, who is somebody that I met? And number two, um, what is a, a memory from that day? And number three, where did I see the hand of God? somewhere moving and working on this thing and i just think like oh i want to be so much better about recording so i'm 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 jumping on that train you it's know? so fun and that might be something you want to do this week as you're talking about section 85 is because the awesome thing is did you just get yours at walmart where is it even from it's just tiny yeah yeah from uh, office depot max whatever okay, that was awesome. yeah and who even knows what the cover looked like but it's just now plastered in stickers which made it so fun that i was like oh if you have kids at home, why don't they want a summer journal? Everyone, they might, just this summer of 2021. Yeah, and it's cool to think of like, what three simple things or what two simple things am I going to put into that? My friend Heather was saying, oh, actually what you want to do on the trip is at the end of every day, make everybody go around and say three memories from the day. Mm -hmm. And then if you have like a group of seven, all of a sudden you have 21 things to pick from. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. You can, you know, kind of write yes. in there. And are you going to die over this? Then in my mind, I was like, I wish there was in this world a little mini printer that would print mm. pictures that had sticker backs because then you could take a picture and stick it into the journal. I was like, I really wish someone would invent something they like did. that. They did. They did. I can help you out. I got one for Father's Day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny got me one for Father's Day. Did you have one of those things? I just like, I, I invented it in my mind laying in bed. Already someone did. already did and put it in Amazon's fulfillment warehouses and, no. and here it comes. Um, this is a talk that we're going to put in the newsletter. Um, or yeah, yeah. we're going to put in our newsletter. Um, that is or on the from, blog. Yeah, it's going to be easier on the blog. On the blog, sorry. From President Kimball, who you know just got baptized in journals. He loved talking about that. But he said this one time, the quote, the name of the talk, by the way, is the angels may quote from it.
talking about your your own journals and histories that you keep and and oh and there's a spot in here where he says nobody's ordinary commonplace no one's commonplace yeah <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> you know like everybody is has has this history of what god is doing and and doing in them and around them and it's really neat anyways he says this get a notebook a journal that will last through all time or just for the summer yeah he meant, he meant yeah that too. and maybe the angels may quote from it for eternity is that awesome one of those angels like i would like to quote from jill's summer of 2021 journal <laughs> okay it says begin today and write in it your goings and your comings your deepest thoughts your achievements your failures your associations and your triumphs your impressions and your testimonies or you can just pick one of those things but it seems neat that it is the way one of the ways that we start recognizing that God really is among us and that he's here and present and is, moving yeah is yes yeah, yeah yeah he's not a stale God he's not like a he's not secure in one place that he's just like um there's a fluid relationship and his presence is yeah. oh man we're just noticing it ebbing and flowing and when one of my boys was on their mission they had someone come and I think I've talked about this before he talked to them about keeping a journal and he said instead of calling it a journal because maybe we just immediately turn off when we hear that word yeah like ward clerk which is <laughs> you change to something different I'm so worried <laughs> what is gonna happen with that in your ward particularly um that he said start a book of evidences from your mission and it's just the evidences that God is moving in your life and I love because he just picked up the scriptures and he said you know what these are these are people's books of evidence that God was moving in their life Nephi wrote his evidences of God moving in his life and Joshua did when he split the river Jordan and Moses with the Red Sea and Peter walking on water. This is just people's journal accounts of, oh, let me just show you evidence mm -hmm. that God was moving in my cool. life today. That's all this is. And I love that thought of just starting that book of evidences or that book of marvelous experiences or um, even just an I am not commonplace, you yeah. know? Yeah. Just what is happening in my life right now? We just love the idea of that. So for sure, as you're talking this week um, about what what is going to happen this summer or what could be the application from these pages, one really might be starting that journal. And whether it's a paper journal or whether it's something you do on social media, on Instagram, or wherever is the easiest place, Grace has a friend. I think this is so fun that does a 60 second video every day and that's his journal and then at the end of the year he has oh, all cool. of those one minute what happened in 2021 so there's so many different ways of recording what is going on in your life but just a fun reminder yeah of the and, importance and, of that and just opening up your eyes to see the sunflowers right yes and to part the of the reason why is because sometimes you're just gonna have summer of 2021 and you're going to look back and you're going to be like oh yeah remember when that happened sometimes you are going to have profound experiences in your life that maybe feel profound when you're writing them down but might not the realization of that might not come for 20 years yeah. and all of a sudden you're like oh yeah remember that and and sometimes it's things like i remember when grace was born we had so many miraculous experiences and my dad said to me 
you've got to sit down tonight and you need to write those all down because you're going to forget. And I vividly remember thinking at the time, no, there is no way I would forget any of these things. Like they were so impressed on my heart and my soul at that time because they were like clearly evidence of the Lord working in our life. Mm. And I pulled that out just a couple of years ago and read through it. And I, I just was crying because there were several things. Um, Grace is, what is she now, 21? Several things from that experience that I, I had completely erased from my memory that were so sweet and so tender. And had I not written them down, they, they wouldn't, we wouldn't remember any of yeah. those things. So you have moments like that, but then we're going to talk about this awesome one that um, Joseph writes down and people actually carry in their pockets for years and, and doesn't come to be realized for many, many years after, but so awesome that somebody thought to write it down right. when it happened. Right, right. Oh, and you just, as you were talking about that, just made me think of something and then I, oh, oh, it was this, it was this. You might think to yourself, I just started 21 years ago mm. when my kids were born and written things down. But if you didn't, what what is um, so remarkable is God is just as active today as he was in your life 20 years ago. And so you haven't missed out yes, on his wonder that's so if you good. begin today. Um, in 85, the rest of 85, he just, Joseph addresses the problems and starts speaking to them. Um, it's kind of interesting. He kind of goes back and forth between almost him speaking and then sometimes for the Lord he's speaking. So you get both bits of advice as you go through, which is really interesting to mm -hmm. kind of consider. But there's this prophecy, 87. We're going to skip over to 87 for just a minute. And we'll and come then, back Yeah, to don't 86. worry. We won't miss 86. Um, where this is called, it's, it's a revelation on, um, what's it called? On war and something. I miss where it is that I written down you'll find it and you'll well, be going you to your tv this revelation and prophecy on war oh yeah right at the top <laughs> there it is right where it should be right now he received this is interesting because it comes on christmas which seems like such a strange yes revelation to get on christmas day you're just kind of like normally on christmas you're kind of like not thinking about wars yeah, and, the, and the you know it's yeah and Love, oh, goodwill <laughs> you were saying, to men. I think you're saying peas. Oh no! <laughs> I was like, like for the dinner. No, I don't even like peas. Oh, like peace. peace. Um, peace. A goodwill to men. I was trying to think of all those. Which made me think today when I was reading this again. Like his spirit must have been so troubled that he was spending so much time pondering about like pending war and mm. trouble. Like things can wait until December 26th normally like everything gets put on hold on Christmas day but not it must have been so pressing on mm. him that he was like why why are you thinking about that and things were going on at the time there is this cholera outbreak in the world um things that were happening in India um there you have um in the United States South Carolina had declared that they want to secede from the union and there was a big standoff between the two of them and you know between Andrew Jackson and the state of South Carolina over taxes and, and stuff like that. And so it's so like on his mind that on Christmas, when everyone else is eating pie, <laughs> he is thinking about um, war and he writes down in what's now section 87, um, this prophecy on war. And we have this spot on your on the journal where you can write down kind of like what, what actually comes in this. It's only eight verses long. And he just kind of says essentially, 
Um, wars are shortly to come to pass, and they're going to begin at the rebellion of South Carolina. And that is going to eventually terminate in the death and misery of many souls. Um, that's going to trigger, it says, a time when war will be poured out among all nations beginning at that place. The southern states will be divided against the northern states. Um, they're going to call upon other nations like Great Britain to come be a part of this. Verse 4, after many days, slaves will rise up against their masters. Like, it's a very, very specific prophecy uh, about what we now know is the Civil War, right? Um, and very clear on it. Now, at first, you may have thought, well, of course he could have said something about South Carolina because, like, South Carolina was being a butt right at that time. You know, they were kind of, I couldn't think of a nicer way to say that. <laughs> Did you say that? People <laughs> you know, might not. Sorry about that. Oh, well, sorry. You know, they, we did remember the family, our friends in our ward who called me Brother Bumbler. <laughs> and I was like, why are they doing that? And they're like, because we're not allowed to say butt in our house. And I was like, okay, sorry. South Carolina was being a bum, a big old bum. And they were like already kind of rebelling. But that trickles off. It like goes yeah, away. It resolves. It resolves. Like it, it, that mm -hmm. is, that's back in 1832. But the prophecy was was still written. And he still wrote down. He's like, no, something's going to start in South Carolina. And it's going to bring in other nations. And it's going to cause the death of a lot of people. And it's going to be over the slave issue. And, and this is what's going to happen. And you wonder how many people, like when this happened in 1832, waited and saw what was happening and, and kind of got on board. And then when it all kind of fizzled out we're like huh well he didn't know what he was talking about um you love when we want to tell you this from orson pratt's point of view because it's so interesting to watch what happens that prophecy came in 1832 the civil war does not begin until 1861 so remember how we're terrible years. at math i just did it <laughs> almost 30 years yeah. from the time that was given 30 years, everyone. Think of how long that is. Like, I will be 82 in 30 years from right now, which is, like, so long. If if President Nelson said something, and then I might probably forget he even said it by 32 years from, yeah. or 30 years you from now. You forgot your birth story. <laughs> so, <laughs> for so sure, true. you forget that. And I love this, that um, there was this revelation on prophecy and war that comes, and Orson Pratt, no one printed it, but Orson Pratt wrote it down and he carried it in his pocket. Remember, we, we told you about this earlier that in those days when people were living on, leaving on missions, they didn't have scriptures they could take with them. So if they wanted to take a revelation with them, they would have to go over to the prophet's house and hand write it down. And then they would carry those with them and teach them to people when they went. And then those people would write them down. So everyone kind of was carrying these scriptures in their pocket and Orson Pratt carried this handwritten copy and it says he frequently pulled it out and read it to people during his travels and then um, he went on a 4,000 mile mission can you imagine for several years he went to Ohio and Pennsylvania and New York and England and Canada and he converted 104 people and while he was there he would pull out this prophecy so he read it all over in Canada in Britain in the United States um, and he would travel and preach and talk about it. And it's so interesting because um, in the beginning, it might have seemed like people would be like, well, you don't need a prophet to say there's going to be a problem in South Carolina. We see the problem in South Carolina. 
But what happened is, as things calmed down, Orson says this, as a general thing, the people regarded it as the height of nonsense. I love that that's how he describes it, saying the union was too strong to be broken. And he said, people would tell him he had been led away by an imposter for carrying this with him and continuing to talk about it for these years after. Well, they cooled down, everything cooled down in 1832. And Orson said this, I still knew the prophecy was true for the Lord had spoken to me and had given me revelation, which let's just talk about this for a minute because I think it is so awesome that when the prophet spoke and, and gave that prophecy and said it out loud, I love that Orson's character or his nature was to pray and say, are these words true, right? He received his own revelation about the words from a prophet which makes you have to sit and think, when was the last time you did that? And have you received a confirmation lately about what President Nelson is talking about and teaching and, and telling us from the pulpit, do you take the time to nail down and say, Heavenly Father, will you give me my own confirmation? This is true and how important that is. And I wanna bring in this scripture back in 85 into that because um, when Joseph is trying to solve that problem in section 85, he uses these words in verse six and he says thus saith the still small voice which whispereth mm -hmm. through and i love that it's just like through all like the doubt and confusion and all of like the people saying no way jose you know everything's mm -hmm. happening he said the spirit whispered through all that and it pierced through it and he says oftentimes it maketh my bones to quake while it made manifest which is such an awesome like description of you know being impressed upon mm -hmm. You know, just yes. all those different phrases. And, and as you were saying that about Orson Pratt, like, uh, I'm, I I don't necessarily so much like after conference, like kneel down and pray, but I do try to listen with that prayerful heart that says like, just make me quake, <laughs> you know, yes. when something or, or whisper mm -hmm. through, whisper through whatever I may be thinking opposite of this, get through, pierce through to me and kind of confirm that that truth in me. Yes, oh, I love that so much. So what happens is, um, and there's this fun timeline on here, so you wanna start watching this timeline that is gonna go through right here because just before Joseph dies in April 2nd, 1843, we're gonna jump ahead just for a second because you can't resist it. Um, in section 130, he actually restates this prophecy again. So this is 10 years later, like people are like, no, that's... <laughs> Why are you still on that? That was over. Yeah. Everything's fine now and everything got fixed. And he says this, I prophesy in the name of the Lord God that the commencement of the difficulties which will cause much bloodshed previous to the coming of the Son of Man will be in South Carolina. I am in section 130 for those of you who are wondering where I went. I'm reading verse 12 and 13. He says this, and I love this part too, for I'll tell you why in just a minute. It may probably arise through the slave question. This, a voice declared to me while I was praying earnestly on the subject, December 25th, 1832. So 10 years later, he's still thinking on this prophecy. Well, it's interesting because um, no, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then in 1851. And then Joseph dies. That's the spot on the timeline, June 27th, right there. So. He's not with us anymore. In 1851, for some reason, Orson Pratt decides 
to um, publish it in England. He's over in England and he's like, I just feel like we should publish this prophecy. Okay, this is 1851. <laughs> it's been 20 years now since that prophecy happened. He works and gets it printed. And then a decade after that, in December of 1860, South Carolina votes itself out of the United States. Then other Southern states soon did the same. And then on April 12th, 1861, so 30 years later, we decided, right? 29 yeah. mm -hmm. years later, the cannons opened fire on the United States Fort Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor and South Carolina thereby started this bloody war that would last four years and claim 600,000 lives. It is so crazy to me that it took three decades for that prophecy to come to fulfillment and that Orson carried it around in his back pocket the entire time, just knew that was gonna happen. And then this is so awesome. That printed prophecy had circulated far and wide. And so when the war broke out in April, 1861, 28 years after it was pronounced, the Philadelphia Sunday Mercury newspaper carried a lengthy article that was entitled a Mormon prophecy. And then they said, we have in our possession a pamphlet that was printed in 1851 in Liverpool. And the, um, it talks about this civil war prophecy is what they called it. And then it said, it, it, this prediction seems to be in progress of fulfillment right now as we're watching everything that's happened whether joe smith was a humbug or not it's, it's in there. <laughs> there like we don't know but this really is happening and then at the very end they printed the whole prophecy they talked about the events that seemed to be filling every part of it and then this is my favorite part in the conclusion it said this sentence have we not had a prophet among us mm. oh i think that is so awesome that there just was this moment where they were like too much of this is right for him to have got it wrong which makes you now have to question was there a prophet among us and we didn't respect the power that he carried with him and it makes you want to just look at our own life right now and, yeah. and think that same thing is there a prophet among us right now and is there a prophecy you are carrying in your back pocket right now? Uh, just before we push record, we both were like, okay, let's try and think of prophecies that have been fulfilled in our lifetime that we can think of that would be similar to this. And, and this might be something fun to do with your family. And particularly if you have people that are older than us, because I think it would be so awesome to go back farther and just think, what are the prophecies that have taken place in your lifetime. And some of the ones that we thought of are so fun. Yeah, so one was um, when Lorenzo Snow was prophet, um, there were only four temples in Utah and that's when he prophesied, 1899, the time will come when there will be temples established over every portion of the land. Mm. So, I mean, that's nuts to think about. Four. Yeah, in 1899. Yes. And to say such a bold thing yes. back then, is just like, wow, especially when like, the church was not financially very well off at the time and just like whoa remember they were like in yes. like a, that deep like debt and and financial problem um another one when jenny and i were at byu hawaii going to school mm -hmm. byu hawaii um we they had this parade um that they celebrated for the pcc the polynesian culture center for 40 years that they've been there or something and 
And um, in the parade, there was this one float and they had um, these people that were like the guests of honor for the float. And it was, I was kind of like, so I looked into it. I was like, wait, why, who are those random people? And like, why were they there? And, and I found out that when President McKay dedicated the land for the PCC, um, he said it was in a spot that everyone was like, you are crazy. Nobody comes up to this country bumpkin place. And he was like, no, one day millions of people will come through there and, and prophesied that. Um, back in the 60s, uh, 50s. And uh, and so at the parade, they invited the 30 millionth guest, you know, to be in the parade as a sign of like prophecy fulfilled. Oh, that is so awesome. And sometimes the prophecies are super fun. Like those are, uh, we talked about remembering in our lifetime when President Hinckley gave that talk to the boys and to the men and just a warning voice of preparing for what was ahead and that we did watch that the fulfillment of that, that uh, financial downfall and the struggle that we all went through and that he had given us warning just before to prepare our homes and our families for that. And then we talked about if there was a prophecy you were carrying in your pocket right now, what would it be? And, um, you know, maybe it's from President Nelson or maybe it's President Monson or maybe it's President Hinckley, but maybe a prophecy that hasn't been fulfilled yet, but that just spoke really strongly to you when you heard it. And I right off the bat was like, oh, I know exactly which one it is for me. Um, and many of you might have had a similar experience when President Nelson was called as the prophet and stood up and gave his first address and said, it will not be possible to survive spiritually in coming days without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. And I can remember that exactly what you're talking about, that quaking, that like the spirit moving through me of how crucial it was for us to be um, able to have that influence of the Holy Ghost. And in fact, from that day forward, I started praying that our family would have an increase of the Holy Ghost by name, each of my children, that we would have an increase of the spirit with us daily that is a daily and sometimes twice daily prayer for me so even though i don't really have that prophecy in my pocket it's if in my you prayers use your phone <laughs> then it would be then you could have it in okay. your pocket <laughs> um but it's in my prayers right it's that daily i'm just carrying it with me because i don't want to lose any of us you know yeah in that same talk same paragraph even there was this line that was kind of that impactful for me where he said our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, preside in majesty and glory. Mm. And it's like, um, that to me is something so fun to watch for, right? Really, some of his mightiest like I can think, we're about to study Old Testament, right? <laughs> so I can think of some pretty mighty things that they have done and these miraculous indications. And it makes me want to just think, in fact, when I just, I was kind of joking about the phone, but not really because like I made, I just recently put my patriarchal blessing saved onto my phone mm. so that I could carry it around with me and I could kind of pull it out because I mean, there might be like, there's these general prophecies, but you, there are promises in all through scripture and personally that we really hold on to and put in our pockets and there might be days when they are not coming to fruition that you might say that's a failed prophecy or the height of nonsense or you are the victim of an imposter those lines people said to Orson Pratt and he's like no I felt it and I'm going to keep it in my pocket 
until I watch the fulfillment of this. Um, a majority of us are waiting for prophecies and promises yet to be fulfilled. And this is a great section to give us hope to like, oh, keep them in your pocket. And, and one thing that I think is important that we learn from this, and it might be fun to move toward now, is as you're talking about that, is he a failed prophet or um, was this a false prophecy? Is to watch this working of revelation in Joseph Smith. Because I think sometimes we want a prophet, like we've created in our mind what a prophet should look like. And a prophet should get the revelation and he should get it right the first time. And it, 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 if he's speaking to God, then it should be the revelation and it should be correct, you know? Yeah. That's when the that's, way revelation should work. We, we've kind of created that. And it's interesting. And that's a fax machine. That is, is, what that's like, what that is want, what a fax machine <laughs> prophet. When in reality, you start watching Joseph, and we're going to see it twice within these chapters, right? He's going to start talking about that in 1832. And, and well, I keep going with that thought, maybe just that. Oh, well, we, no, that, oh no, you're right. Oh, I was in 86. The idea of we have an expectation of what a prophet should be. And when they don't match that expectation, we'll get upset. Or, or say there's something wrong when it when in reality it's like wait instead of like um, trying to see if a prophet matches your expectation why don't you just watch what a prophet does and let that become the definition of what a prophet is, is. you know yeah that's so good because it, think about watching him go through this revelatory process of starting in 1832 and maybe he even was like is that right you know yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like everything is fine now, but he he received it, and then ten years I love later, it. ten years later, yeah. he's like, I'm just gonna check on that and make sure that's still right, and still received more revelation. Right? He he wrote it back in there again. This is this is still gonna happen, and this is what I'm thinking now. I love when he uses that word that he's like, perhaps, I, perhaps or, I think it might be. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you're like watching him like work through this process of receiving revelation, which I was with a group the other night, we were talking about this, and I was like, is it okay for a prophet to have to work through revelation? And it was so interesting because there was a really long pause in that moment. And it's, I think we really do have to come to terms with, we are watching in the Doctrine and Covenants, a prophet that is working through this process of receiving revelation, much like we do where he's, he's learning and he's writing it down and then he's going to come back and check it and then he's going to work on it again. And, and that is what, yes. No, no, I was going to. I was going to say, that's what we love about 86. It's we're going to watch this process happen again. Well, and, and really like you could get into that spot where like you can a prophet work through, can they say, I think, or it seems, and you could have some people who's like, no, that's not what prophets do. And you're like, well, actually the scriptures paint a very, very different picture of what prophets do. So mm -hmm. I don't know where you got that idea that they don't do that or that they are right. like fax machines. Like if someone painted that picture for you or said it to you in your 11th grade, you know, Sunday school class, sorry, but that wasn't the accurate picture of. Yeah. Because all through scripture, yeah. you see prophets going back and going back and going back to try and get it right. I'm sure they wished that, I mean, you think about Mahan Ray Moriankumar had that one moment when Jesus came and appeared right in that moment. Do you know how many days before that he was trying to figure out how to make rocks? Do you know? <laughs> Do you think he was like, 
could you have come at the bottom of the mountain instead and been like, this is going to be super easy. Just do this. But there is something about the Lord loving effort, you know, and, and I don't think life is meant to be effortless. I don't think it is. I think some of the greatest miracles are going to require the most engagement and going back and working it through and getting it right. And there is something about effort that humbles us and refines us. And I think that's really important. And I love that in 86. It's reminding me of that line you wrote about your dad on your post. What was it? Just about that lesson you learned from him about there's something about hard, oh, hard work. work. Get your fingernails. Dirt, and yeah. Yes. And all, yeah, that there is something fulfilling about cleaning out the garage on a Saturday morning, everyone, we just knew on Saturdays when we woke up, my dad was going to make us go in the garage. But you know what? Then he took us to Hardee's. Did anyone else do that? And you just were like, I just did something. And I think the father is the same where he's like, you know what? Molten out 16 stones from a rock. You, you put some effort in that. You do that because, and then carry those 16 stones up the highest mountain you can find because when you get up to the top of that mountain you know we always think the miracle was the light in the stones we think that was the miracle the miracle was actually jesus appeared to mahanrai moriankamer that's the miracle and i think to myself if if the effort is going to allow me to see him in the flesh i choose the effort mm. And, and I, I, every time I think about similar stories to that, I also think the miracle is who somebody became mm. in the process. Where God's like, I don't, I didn't want to be Wikipedia to you. I didn't want to be the answer man. You know, I wanted to be a father. I wanted to be an exalter. So that was my intention all along was not to give you an answer. Like I, I, I I'm not a, I'm not a trivia bank. Right? I have them, but mm -hmm. I want to mold you, you into something. Yeah, I'm an yeah. experience giver, not an answer giver. Oh, that's um, so good. And that is so true. So 86 is this um, section that's about a parable from the New Testament, the wheat and the tares. What's interesting about this is this is Joseph's second time through the New Testament working on the JST. And it's fun. I wrote the Oh, and then down. he has another one later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, so, you have them. Yeah, right it's fun because he, he did this, Matthew 13, the first time in the spring of 1831. And then we get here to 18. section 86. It's December of 1832. It's 18 months later. And I love that like he received revelation on the wheat and the tares in the spring right and he wrote it down he he had written it down because he was going back over that revelation and revising it which i think that's really important like somehow we have got to wrap our brains around the fact that revelation can be revised this right here points to that truth right right and and he adds additional insights to it and it's neat that it's it's right look in the summary thing where it says the lord gives the meaning of the parable of the wheat and the tares where it's like really the lord's adding additional commentary onto this parable before in matthew 13 it seemed to be about individual people now in section 86 it's about almost like dispensations like the history mm -hmm. like the parable is being reused for a different like lesson 
you know, or a different use and, and some new details that happen in here, particularly the one that says, oh, that wheat is going to be gathered up first before the cleansing, you know, of the earth. And that's one that you don't find originally in Matthew 13, but a new one. And he'll go back and add it yeah. later. But Which I love because first you have the Matthew 13, then you have Joseph going over it in the spring of 1831. Then you have him revisit it again in December of 1832. And actually he will revisit it again in December of 1833. Later in the Doctrine and Covenants, we'll come to it again. But also, remember Wilfred Woodruff in 1894 is going to come back and revisit this. And when he's speaking to um, the Temple Workers Excursion, he's going to say those angels that we talked about in 1860 or in section 86 that had not been released have actually been released now, he says in 1894. That you love that the Lord is like, here, let me give you a base in Matthew 13. What year is that? 32 AD or whatever, or 31 AD. And then he's like, Joseph, let's revisit that in the spring of 1831. Not to mention anyone else who revisited it, you know. Along the way. Yeah. yeah. And then again in 1832, and then we're going to revisit it again in 1833. And Wilfred Woodruff is going to revisit that thing again in 1894. And I love this thought of revisiting revelation and this ongoing restoration that's the church we signed up for everyone is ongoing restoration which means don't get super comfortable with anything that's what it feels yeah. like to me because yeah. you know restoration requires sandpaper um in most cases right it it requires change it's it's not comfortable restoration is not comfortable and I love that the Lord in the Doctrine and Covenants is like, watch me work with people who sin, right? We just did that in 64. Watch me work with people who sin because I'm restoring those people just like I'm restoring this church. And this revelation, it's going to be messy work, but it's going to grow you, right? It, it's going to be your 16 stones to the top of the mountain. It is going to be that for every one of you. Because in the end, hopefully, we're going to come to know the voice of the revelator. Yeah. And, and this, it could have been about anything, but it's just neat that this particular revelation that we're learning all these lessons in just happens to be about the wheat and the tares, which you remember in the original parable that the Lord's trying to teach and say, like, oh, you know, this enemy has come and, and sown all these weed, um, W-E-E-D, like, like um, tear mm -hmm. seeds in here and they're growing up with the wheat and in the beginning of wheat and tares growing process they look almost identical to each other like it, it would be impossible so you yeah. could see because these are from I brought back with me from Israel um, this would obviously be the wheat and this is the tares and look how similar they are to each other I mean unless you are right on top of them if you just came up to a field they're just so similar. Yeah, and that's even them like a little bit older, yeah. right? Where they start yeah. to look a little different and they because they, they look so, so similar mm -hmm. to each other initially. And and it's just that idea that he's trying to teach that just like, wait, don't call something a wheat or a tear because things need time to develop and they need time to grow up like prophecies do also. Prophecies are like people <laughs> in, that, mm -hmm. in that way, right? It's just like, 
let before you call something wrong or before you call foul on something hold on because like you might be confused like it might have not had time to fully develop yet and that's just a really really neat parable for him to come back to as we're learning these lessons it's just that concept of um hold on uh, if you if there are promises god has made to you you know in the early stages of development you don't want to call it out and say it's actually that was actually a tear you know mm-hmm. that it didn't work it was wrong for my life um, because it might end up being wheat uh, it might end up being what carries you and nourishes you and keeps you alive it might be what was evidence of god's growing i mean planting and growing and then sowing like so just give it some time and and give people time and and and, i love when he says at the beginning of or at the end of this just what you're talking about there that he's like listen you you just continue in my goodness and i love the thought of that that he's like don't don't get so caught up in things don't worry if it's a failed prophecy don't think about what's that other the um, victim of an imposter the nonsense the yeah nonsense. don't, don't yeah. get all caught up in the nonsense i love that there's a lot of nonsense going on at this time right there are things who people um were saying not just a failed prophecy but a failed prophet right is the language of what is happening at the time and i love when he says to them here's what's going to differentiate the wheat from the tares in this time period is continue in my goodness he says um and i love that word continue because it's like just abide in it dwell in it endure in this goodness right just stand here um as a light um unto the gentiles and i love the thought of that too just that what are we meant to be doing in this time in the time when people are talking about failed prophets and and all of the nonsense you could accidentally get caught up in all that you could but i love that he's like or you could illuminate you could shine you could make manifest the work of god on the earth you could choose to be that instead and then i love when he says this and it's almost like what you were talking about with the spirit because he talks about through the priesthood through this priesthood through these ordinances through the power of god come down from heaven you will become saviors unto my people right you'll become help and rescue and sucker and the defenders and the deliverers of people who would not know jesus unless you brought him to them and i just i love the thought of you can either be the tear you can and you can get caught up in the nonsense and the failed prophecies or the failed prophets or you could abide and dwell and endure and continue as someone who illuminates and shines and makes manifest and helps and suckers and delivers and defends and and all of these things um as we gather israel and when you think of both which do you want to be at the end of your life and i just think i want to be someone who carries prophecies in my pockets that's who i want to be yeah and someone who finds sunflowers and just sees like, oh, I can continue in his goodness. And that is because his goodness is is very prevalent and very present among us. So, yeah, so good. See you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.